You're listening to The World Is Just A Book Away podcast. I'm James Owens, founder and CEO of The World Is Just A Book Away, a nonprofit organization on a mission to promote literacy and education by developing libraries and programs in disadvantaged communities around the world. For more information about The World Is Just A Book Away, please visit www.wejaba.org. That's W-I-J-A-B-A dot org. Nazreen Gross, author and women's rights activist, was born in Kabul, Afghanistan. She attended the American University of Beirut, married an American, and became a citizen in 1975. Since 1994, she has been conducting social science research about her birthplace. Her first book, Memories of the First Girls High School in Afghanistan was published in 1998, and most recently, The Afghan Woman's Guide to Winning in the Election in 2010. From 2000 to 2003, Nazreen successfully worked for the Declaration of the Essential Rights of Afghan Women to gain equal rights in the Constitution. Since December 2001, Nazreen has resided in Kabul, teaching at Kabul University and working with the nonprofits she founded, Rojia Center for Women's Rights, Studies and Education in Afghanistan, and Kabul Tech Inc. In our conversation, Nazreen and I discuss her life mission of working for human rights, particularly the rights of Afghani women. Nazreen reads a very emotional segment from her submission to The World Is Just a Book Away. We also discuss the impact literacy has on the life and history of Afghanistan, her continued work for human rights, and the dangers facing the Afghan people today. I'm delighted to have my good friend Nazreen Gross with us today on the World is Just a Book Away podcast. Nazreen and I met in I, at a conference, I think in 2002, and uh, she is one of the earliest contributors to The World is Just a Book Away, my book. Uh, in fact, in looking, Nazarene, at your submission, I see that you signed it on March 11th, 2003. So welcome, Nazarene Gross, to our podcast today. Well, thank you. It's wonderful to be with you, James. You've worked so hard on this book, and it's a pleasure to have it. Oh, thank you. And thank you for being part of it. And Nazreen is an author and women's rights activist, originally from Kabul, who uh, who studied in Beirut and came to uh, marry an American and live in America and now lives uh, back and forth between Af- lives mostly in Afghanistan and comes back to America working always for the uh, for human rights and the rights of women. And I want to highlight that the, the first thing that really impressed me and struck me about Nazreen in our conversation, I, I remember it from all those years ago, was that uh, Nazreen had worked for the to ensure that the inalienable rights of women be included in the constitution of Afghanistan and uh, in doing so, collected more than 3,000 signatures and ensured that it was, in fact, and is, in fact, included in the Constitution. 
So Nazarene, I really honored the fact that you did that. And I want to encourage our listeners, if they'd like to know more about Nazarene and her work, to visit uh, kabultech.org. That's K-A-B-U-L-T-E-C dot org. Nazarene, I'm going to start by asking you, you have such a beautiful opening paragraph to uh, The World is Just a Book Away, and uh, the, the whole, your whole passage in the book is so beautiful, but I'm just going to ask if you would uh, read the first paragraph for our listeners. Uh, well, thank you. I just wanted to tell you that you actually meant that we collected 300,000 signatures in support of the women's rights and the Constitution. But I'm going to read you my uh, the paragraph, the first paragraph. Imagine a country with 25 million people. Imagine that one million of their compatriots have died resisting invaders in a series of wars that have lasted 23 years. Imagine the land surrounding these people, debris, landmines, chemical poisoning, So much destruction. Now, imagine that 90% of the surviving women and 80% of the surviving men cannot read. This is my country. This is Afghanistan. Where the very fabric of society has been shredded almost beyond imagination. I'm sorry, I'm a crybaby. No, Nazreen, it's so it's so powerful and so evocative. Your words are so evocative of you go on to speak about the impact of illiteracy on Afghanistan and what happened to its people and um and your your work to collect uh, and and I did did I not say three hundred thousand did I say three thousand? It happens. Don't worry. Okay, uh, because I I meant to say three hundred thousand. I have it in front of me. Is is just and to ensure that that women would have the rights in Afghanistan. And I know that was done at I I think probably considerable risk to your to yourself. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. My understanding was that there were there were threats against you at that time and people who were not eager for that to happen. Yeah, lots of different things. When there is war, you know, one side doesn't want the other side, the good side, to get far. We were the good side and the Taliban were not the right side. And so, but unfortunately, it's happening all over again. And so uh, it's so amazing that you are interviewing me today uh, because it's almost like deja vu all over again. And we don't want that. By we, I don't mean just Afghans. I mean all peoples of the world who believe in the dignity of every human being. We don't want that kind of war. 
Absolutely yeah. not. And and th and thank you for on behalf of all of us for continuing to carry the torch and to to continue in your efforts for for peace and, and human rights. And I, I want to I want to share with our listeners that a very interesting ha thing happened, Nazarene, because of our encounter, which you know, of course, um, you mentioned the sunflower by Simon Wiesenthal as inspiring you when we had our talks and in your submission for my book. And then you you said to me, oh, why don't you contact uh, Simon Wiesenthal? And I thought, well, I I don't I don't know how to contact Simon Wiesenthal. And he was very old at that time. And but you planted that seed in my head. And then I happened to be at a dinner with the Austrian consul to Los Angeles, Peter Lansky Tiefenthal. And he uh, he was seated next to me, like miraculously next to me. And I just happened to mention that I, I would like to connect with Simon Wiesenthal. And he said, get me a letter and I'll send it in the diplomatic pouch. And it's because of you that I connected with Simon Wiesenthal because of that idea. And as you know, he did uh, end up doing a beautiful submission in my book. And I believe it was the last submission he did when he was about 94 years old. So I want to thank you for that. And you, there's that beautiful connection in the book be between your mentioning the book by him that inspired you and his being in my book. Well, and, and his book still is very important, The Sunflower. I think everybody should read it. Just because we love this planet Earth, we need to read his book, The Sunflower. It's very much apropos now. How do you make peace with people who, who love death, who love killing, who love denigrating human dignity? And that book is very, very powerful and very um, informative and thought-provoking uh, for everybody. Uh, his solutions are not for every situation, but the fact that he wrote that book and the questions he raised and the way he treated his, the enemy of his people, the killer of his people, um, give uh, solutions to other people for their own problems. It's That's what makes his book so great and so in a way, immortal. And uh, do you recall how you came across the sunflower, Nazarene? Yes. I was writing a book um, uh, called The Steps of Peace and Our Responsibility as Afghans. And I was researching what peace meant what war meant, and exactly, really, what is it when you say you want to make peace? What steps are involved? And so I had developed a questionnaire, and I was going to send it to different ethnic groups of Afghanistan, because, you know, war separates, and ethnicity is nothing but a different cultural viewpoint, a different cultural identity. And I was thinking, well, you know, these ethnic groups have been separated by war, so they have forgotten 
each other's steps of peace. If I don't know your steps of peace, James, I cannot make peace with you. I will be going through my own steps, thinking you understand them the way I do. But no, no. And among the ethnic groups of Afghanistan, it's that way. For some of them, if you kill a sheep, that is a real step for peace. For others, if you give them a, 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 one of these big long robes and put them on their um, elder's shoulder, that is the real sign of peace. So if you don't know the, the steps of peace for each other, you, you kind of miss the building of peace. And so I was talking to different people and researching it, and I was like you at some function, and a friend of mine said, well, have you read the sunflower? And I said, no. You know, sunflower has nothing to do with peace, right? So I was, oh, okay, what's... He said, well, you know, it's about this guy and about the you know, Holocaust and what happened to this one Jew and how. So I went and bought it and it's a very thin book. And I remember, I think I sat, as soon as I opened it, I didn't get up until I finished it. It was like maybe two hours, three hours, I don't remember. It's a very short book. I was so taken by it and I realized this is extremely important. Um, it's um, it's not the whole facet of peace building um, because there is a lot of political stuff and uh, economic stuff, but it's certainly in terms of the heart and in terms of uh, people reconnecting um, at a deeper level, uh, at a human level, uh, this book is... Uh, uh, beyond the pale. It's very effective and it's very apropos. Who do we forgive and what is forgiveness and what should happen in order for forgiveness to, to take root in you? It's almost like uh, uh, you sow a seed in, in what environment you give it in order for that seed of peace to start in becoming a tiny sapling. And then what do you do to make it grow bigger and bigger and bigger? And you, you, you are write- Are we talking the right way or am I talking too much? You need to shut me up. <laughs> No, it's perfect. No, it's really uh, perfect and very, very, um, oh, very evocative and very beautifully phrased. Thank you. You, you, uh, you also write in your passage of the world is just a book away. I want, I want to read one, uh, one other small passage because you're, you're, you're talking about forgiveness and um, you wrote, I most certainly have even less right than Mr. Wiesenthal. And I would not dare say that I re represent the people of Afghanistan and forgive in their name. And yet not having forgiveness 
is like having a burning coal in the palm of your hand. If you do not throw it away, it only burns you. And and I remember Nazarene that you you said that to me at the also at the conference that that uh, when we met. And I've really held that in my mind ever since. I think of it often that that holding on to resentment, holding on to anger, holding on to hatred, lack of forgiveness is like my holding on to the coal, burning my own hand. Yeah, I I believe in that. I am actually <coughs> in the last 18 years I have lived in Afghanistan. And on a daily basis, I run into people that have this uh, lack of forgiveness, that have not given a thought to forgiveness just for their own sake. Uh, I give you a very trite example of that. Uh, I told you war brings separation. There are many, many, many families that haven't, that are, you know, cousins, for example, that have not spoken with each other for 30, 35 years over a very, very trite situation. For example, I know one family that they, uh, they had a, um, um, a young son who was ready to get married and they went and asked for the hand of the cousin a young girl, and the family of the girl said, no, we, they didn't accept. Well, till this day, they don't talk to each other. Even though both the boy and the girl have married on their own, they have children, they have very, very successful lives. But the two families now have the, the worst um, feud with each other. And so they haven't come to forgive each other. Mm. And I tell them, look, just, just forget it. Just say, I forgive that young girl. I forgive my son for wanting it, or I forgive myself for going and asking the hand. Whatever you do, but it doesn't work. It You have to actually uh, get Re, re teach people to relearn how to be at peace with themselves. I believe it or not with people. Now I work at a very elemental level. I teach them how to breathe in and out in a relaxed way. They have been at war for so long. They have heard of so many explosions, suicide bombings, killings. Every day, young men die. They have forgotten that breathing of human beings is something that needs to be done in a relaxed way. Do you understand that? I do, and I think I think it's a, a wonderful reminder to all of us. In fact, as you were saying that, I was practicing slowing down my breathing and and noticing just in that moment how much it relaxed my body. Mm -hmm. Nazarene, why 
I think your first paragraph really speaks to, in The World is Just a Book Away, really speaks to uh, the plague of illiteracy in the world. Why do you think literacy is so important? Uh, you know, I actually think that in the 21st century, literacy is as important as water as food. Can you imagine people getting clean water without being literate? Mm. It's impossible in Afghanistan. I am sorry to bring it at this lowest level but that's where it's important. How to teach these men and women to read what clean water, how they can get clean water from the, the water that's available to them. What to do with the uh, vegetables that the only code the only feed for them is human feces. How to clean that so that they could infuse some wellness in themselves. So for me, it's extremely important. Imagine my cleaning lady, 57 years old. She has three uh, handicapped children. She cannot read the time and she cannot dial a phone. Her, one of her children, when the son, a handicapped who was mentally handicapped, a few years ago while she was working at my house, he buried his nephew, two-year-old nephew, alive, saying he put him to sleep. He wanted him to sleep for a while. My cleaning lady got home and found that out and took his her grandson out of the rubble, out of the sand and stones, and the baby was still alive and they had a phone, but none of them could dial a number to get help. So you tell me how important literacy is. I see the importance of it so much everywhere. I keep praying to God that I get more <laughs> funding so that I could have more classes for these men and women. But I am still happy with the classes that we have. So often these graduates tell me at the graduation ceremony, teacher, I didn't know I was blind until I took this course. Can you imagine a 70-year-old 
woman telling you that? Or a 42-year-old woman, man telling you that? I think it's I think it's very hard for people who certainly for people who live in this country in the United States to um, to even fathom what you're talking about the, the the situation with your cleaning lady and her son and the nephew and I I I have as much as I think about literacy I've never correlated it with the inability to dial a telephone. That's or, yes, or read the banknotes. Afghanistan banknotes are all different colors because the illiterates cannot read what it is on it. And you know, our American dollar, they are all the same size, the same color. Mm. So some very bad people in Afghanistan give the poor people a $1 bill and say, I've just given you $100. They cannot tell the difference. My God. And, you know, so many children die because the parents cannot read what's on the prescription doctor's medication. They do the wrong thing with the medication and the child dies because of the fact that the parents cannot read and write. But that, you know, the, the positive side of it is so beautiful, James. I wouldn't change my experience or my life at all. Each one of these students who graduate is just a beautiful sight to behold, a beautiful hope to plant. And and again, you know, thank you for doing this and for I just really want to honor and it's it's really the reason uh, you, you inspired me so much that I wanted to have you in my book, I'm, I'm so inspired that you've dedicated your life to this and to being what you're just expressing to being at times it can feel like there's only darkness. But I do think that people have the ability to hold a candle of light in the darkness. And then that candle of light can light another candle. And, and that's what we keep on doing. And it seems to me that's what you're saying you're doing. You're, you're spreading light one person at a time. Yeah, and you are doing it with the books. I'm so glad. I'm so um, honored to have known you, and and the work you are doing with Wijaba. I um, I really am excited about your work and about your passion uh, about this kind of work, about um, helping uh, this small planet Earth love itself a little bit more about your passion. I'm just reading a book right now called Passion. Um, it's by somebody by the name of the Angelus, I think. And it's wonderful to have passion and to, to uh, use that passion, not just for ourselves, but for our surroundings. And you're doing that too. Well, thank you, Nazarene. It's, um, it's, uh, 
Yeah, it, it, to me, it feels like the work that, that we do with uh, children and uh, the, the literacy work and the environmental education work, it, it, feels like, it feels like a calling to me as I, as I know your work, um, your work is to you. Um, what role do books and reading play in your life right now? Well, uh, you know, I get, I keep connected. When I'm in America with my reading books, I keep, and by reading period, I keep connected with Afghanistan. When I'm in Afghanistan, I keep connected with America by reading. You know, it's been years since I saw a movie because there are no movie houses in Afghanistan. And when I come to America, I'm just so busy that I don't see movies. So I'm really out of touch as who the latest um, actor, actors and actresses are and who the movies, what the movies are. But the books, I, I try to learn from each one um, uh, to, to keep connected. To, the learning part is extremely important to me in a book. Um, it's not just what the words and sentences of a book teach me. It is that when I read that sentence, my own brain starts going somewhere else. My own brain starts opening another door to another garden of ideas. I'm sure everybody that reads a book is that way. It's not just what's in the book that through which we learn. It's that the book actually opens vistas of our own selves or our own um, ideas or of our own brain. I don't even know how to say it, except that it's like opening newer and newer and bigger and more fantastic gardens of ideas and possibilities. And um, I also read books to find solutions. So, 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 so many problems in Afghanistan. And most of those problems have had beautiful solutions elsewhere. So books really show me a lot of those solutions, even if it's in one sentence, even if it's in a passing way somebody says that and I, I immediately, you know, underline that or take a note of that or say, you know, this is for this part or um, that's really, you know. And, and also I read books and I get so excited about life, about people and ultimately about little old me. You know, we live with ourselves so long that we kind of take ourselves for granted. And when I read books, yeah, I, I get excited about the ideas of, of the authors, the stories, but I also get excited about, hey, Nasreen, hey, you can do this and that and the other one and all. Oh, did you get it? <laughs> That's it. Well, the passion, right? <laughs> it's 
fashion, whatever it is, it's ultimately for inside me. Inside me, beautiful. And you, you mentioned this book, Passion, Nazarene. Is it is it by uh, Barbara DeAngelis? Yes. Yes, yeah. I just began reading it, and I want to kind of um, read it so that then I could uh, translate parts of it, snippets of it, for, for my students. That's the other thing. You know, for this literacy, these are adults. These are husbands and wives, adult husbands and wives that come together. And why not teach them adult things? I, I, you know, from day one, we have avoided saying, you know, see Charlie run or, you know, uh, the horse runs or, you know, things that are in, in children's books. We always have tried to have uh, um, subjects that are appropriate for adults. And so why not? teach or not teach or teach the words of passion to these most downtrodden of the earth. They are extremely poor. They are, as I mentioned, adults who don't know the alphabet. They are adults who, until they come to our classes, have never held a pen or a pencil in their hand. We have to teach them how to. They have never ever had a book or a magazine in their home or a notebook. So why not teach them about passion and see how they blossom with it? Am I making sense? Absolutely. And I want to, for for our listeners and, and those who visit mm -hmm. Kabul Tech and want to learn more about your work, just um, briefly, Nazarene, so is the main focus of your work now adult literacy classes? We have adult literacy classes. We have another uh, two, actually three areas that we deal with. We have conferences for women, seminars for women in different provinces, because I want to take them beyond women's rights. If a woman doesn't get out of the house, if a woman doesn't develop herself, it becomes very difficult to actualize women's rights. So now Afghanistan has gone beyond a certain stage and there are many women experts in different areas. And I have began giving seminars, not by myself, but taking maybe six different women experts in different areas to talk about what it takes to be a successful lawyer, to be a successful businesswoman, to be a successful teacher for the blind and many, many other things, to be a successful political um, operative. So that's another part that I'm doing. And one other, two other things we're doing. One is uh, um, there are many, many uh, orphans in Afghanistan. Uh, 
In up to 12th grade in Afghanistan, we have public schools that are free of charge. So these orphans can go there, but once come uh, uh, college time, they cannot pass the entrance exam for the public university and they cannot afford the um, uh, colleges, private colleges. So what happens to them is that the extremists get a hold of them and by $20 a month, they train them how to be extremists. So we have, uh, we cannot solve this. This is a very big problem, but we have set up a college for orphans fund because the fund, the cost of a college is very uh, reasonable. And so we have a few um, orphans that we send as scholarships to uh, colleges. And some of them are turning to be extremely good students. They get their grades are 99 or 100 all the time. And uh, so we're very happy about that. Mm. And of course I do my books. I have now two books that are very close to finishing and I'm looking for funding for them to publish them. Uh, one of them is in English and another one is in Farsi. And I think both of them are very useful to publish. So those are the four areas that we are working on. You, you certainly have a lot of energy to be able to do all of this, Nazarene, and, and I really honor your work. I just want to ask one final question. Is there anything else you'd like to add for our listeners? Yes. I want them to realize that literacy is for life. Without literacy, life is not so meaningful and life is not so helpful to humanity. So literacy and books and reading, and I am very happy that we are uh, graduating new readers every year. And so James, bring on the books. Thank you, Nazarene. And, and again, thank you for all the work you do. It's It's been a pleasure to be able to uh, just reconnect with you today and, and a real pleasure and honor to share your work and your thoughts with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you.